Well, hello and welcome to this week's podcast of acclaimedaccount.org, where every week we get together and discuss the upcoming gospel election. Uh, if you'd take a moment to write a review or follow us on all of those social media outlets, it really does help us to uh, get the word out and be a benefit to those who may be in need of the resources we have to offer. Uh, we are walking through the Easter season. We just had the fifth Sunday in Easter last Sunday, where Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled to the disciples. This week we are moving into John 14, verses 15 through 21. And as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor Alicia Mopentic. How are you doing today? Hey, doing well. Yeah, awesome. making it through. Yeah. It's the season of quarantine. Corona tide. Yeah. Oh, I I like that. A long time, a long time of waiting. Yes. Also attentiveness to Mm -hmm. what gifts the season might bring. Yes. Um, Honestly, I, okay. I made a joke about that, but honestly, I've been thinking a lot about Easter tide and that like season of waiting for Mm -hmm. Pentecost um, where the, the disciples are told by Jesus, like, go and wait for this thing that will happen until mm-hmm. you receive the spirit and power. Um, and they spend 50 days waiting around, yeah. <laughs> like, just trying to pay attention. Is this the day? Is this the moment? Is this the time? Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. Is this the day? <laughs> Is this the moment? Is this the time? Nope. <laughs> for 50 days. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm finding some companionship and some encouragement in this season of waiting as I think about the waiting between Easter and Pentecost. Well, thanks be to God for that. I have found myself in an interesting balance preaching through these passages in that um, last Sunday, because it was do not let your hearts be troubled, I focused quite a bit on that waiting period in the time that we are in. And I got mixed feedback that there are some in the congregation that found that very um, encouraging and peace bringing and others that were like, we hear about COVID-19 everywhere. We want to come and be encouraged. So like we want our hearts to not be troubled by not hearing about it over and over again. And so does that bring any uh, wisdom or advice maybe for those who may feel as I do where you're caught between like, okay, I don't want to talk about it all the time, but I also want to be an encouragement um, for those who do need that uh, spoken about well uh, from the pulpit. Right. Oh, it's like such a tricky time and everybody is responding really differently. Everyone's doing the best they can with what they have to cope Mm -hmm. and some people that like their their best way forward their next right thing is to just like keep updated to stay Mm -hmm. informed to have all the most accurate information and some people like me that's just like too overwhelming i get like skyrocketed into a place of anxiety and fear and like and i'm just incapacitated right Mm -hmm. but i also want to stay informed so i set some boundaries for myself about like how frequently i'm checking the news or like how frequently i'm engaging with like what does this mean for who we are and what we're doing as a church and what's going to happen after i only have so much capacity for those kinds of conversations and so I like to think I've done a lot of really good inner work to set some boundaries and decide and discern like like what do I have the capacity for um what's an appropriate way to engage so that I'm an informed citizen a capable leader and a compassionate pastor Mm -hmm. um 
and and I find like everybody is doing that differently. Everybody's like recipe for those things is different. Um, so I mostly try to lead with like open ended questions with mm-hmm. like like how <laughs> how how are you feeling? What what's the state of your heart these days? Right. Are you feeling burdened? Are you feeling anxious? Are you ready for some encouragement? Do you need to hash out a plan or some details? Um, and at least pastorally, I, f- I find that that allows people to say what they need to say and then allows me to meet them where they are, at least wow. in some of those, those conversations. But from the pulpit, gosh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm still learning to make peace with this, but like, I, th- I think that I'm never going to be speaking directly to every single person in the pews. Right. Like, and, and so... I do my best to hold, to hold a a balance or like this and that together. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so often when I'm speaking like pastorally with like concrete examples in a sermon, I'll say something like, like maybe you're coming to church today and you really need to hear peace and hope spoken over you. And Mm -hmm. here's what I would say to you, or maybe you're coming to church today and you really need um, to know that God cares about these big things happening in the world. And here's what I would say to Mm -hmm. you. Right. So I I try to, I try to be attentive of the ways that multiple perspectives are represented in the pews and then try to speak kind of like two different groups or subsets Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. that I hope is inclusive and attentive but but nobody's doing it perfectly. Yeah, that's true. Does that make sense? It that's does. a really good question. Yeah, yeah. But. I, th- I think that was a good answer. So I appreciate <laughs> the the uh, challenge to think about those things in those ways, with being able to ask open-ended questions, because I think it helps for their hearts to kind of follow the Spirit's leading in that with the word that Christ might have for them. Totally. And I do have to say, at, from last week's podcast, the reference you made about um, the medical journal that you read with where the children were able to say the name of a person instantly that they felt safe and valued that really helped to drive my research for that sermon. And it was just um, so impactful for me. And I think in the midst of preaching, that's where my challenge has been is like, am I able to be a, a person that they're able to hear those words of value, dignity and, and safety from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, and I find that a super freeing way to talk about our calling and our vocation Mm -hmm. to say like, like, I'm, I'm not a world leader making decisions about like our, our economy or our public health or those sorts of things. Like, I'm an attentive spiritual guide. I'm a soul friend. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm somebody who's listening to the voice of God and to the work of the people. Mm-hmm. And so how do I, how do, I do that faithfully? Right. Um, so a, an affirmation of what I am called to do allows me to release the things that I'm not called to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't let me off the hook for everything. Like right. don't even say that. Right. But, but it, does, it does free me to like fully lean into what does it mean to be attentive, to be um, a safe place to be a person of peace here. Mm. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way of, of uh, kind of shaping our posture as we hear this text from John 14 about what kind of advocate the Holy Spirit is and perhaps it might shape what kind of advocates we desire to be um, in these this season. Uh, let me read our passage today, John 14, um, verses 15 through 21. I'm going to read from the NFV this morning. If you love me, keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept her because it neither sees her nor knows her. But you know her, for she lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So we have this starting point of Jesus saying, if you love me, keep my commands. And he, this section sort of ends with that as well. Yeah. Um, it's a sort of full inclusion. If you love me, if you love me, mm-hmm. obey my commands, obey my commands. And I do think that's like a significant part of Jesus's whole discourse here. Um, Remember, we're we're at the table with Jesus and his disciples. The final words, like a goodbye speech, mm-hmm. um, like like the last things you need to know, um, are that love and obedience are intertwined together, and that that the Helper, the Advocate, the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth, Lady Wisdom will be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that these seem really important to me to draw together. Um, I was doing some reading and some thinking about like the ways love and obedience interact together. Mm. And it feels like a sort of chicken and egg <laughs> like sure. dilemma. Like what comes first, love or obedience, obedience or love is the spirit sent to those who are lovingly obedient or that is a spirit sent to those who prove their love through obedience. Or is it that, love grows in someone's heart by way of the spirit and so they are led to holy obedience or is it both and i think that but yeah um, I, no i like that a lot because i i've been thinking a lot lately about um boundaries and and i think obedience sets up healthy boundaries so that love can flourish um, and at least in my own personal life when i don't have any boundaries and i just work especially in ministry where things can be um endless it seems endless energy can be can be put out um if i'm not obedient to the boundaries that i've set up and others are not obedient to that as well love has a very difficult time of flourishing it's still present but it it has a difficult time flourishing Mm, i like that yeah i mean i think that's like like pretty accepted holistic Mm-hmm. research to draw a connection between love and obedience and boundaries. I'm reminded of the Lord's prayer, the way, the way Jesus teaches us to pray, um, like forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Forgive us for the ways that we have like disobeyed boundaries or that we have transgressed boundaries, the ways that we have overstepped or overreached. Um, mm-hmm a boundary that's set in love, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's so good. And I think so much of our understanding of law and um, kind of discipline 
is shaped by this narrative of like spare the rod spoil the child this kind of violent that's your idahoan talking. yeah exactly where where the hippie californians are yeah. a little different yeah so like corporal punishment is infused in your psyche from the time you're little here and so it's ridiculous but they spare the rod spoil the child it just assumes like spanking or this violent repercussion to what you've done. Whereas if we think about that in shepherd's terms, the, the rod is really there to guide and comfort and to uh, set parameters for the sheep's well-being and safety. Um, and it's to ward off predators. It's not to beat the sheep into submission, you know? Um, and so like this idea of law that God gave Moses is for the people's well-beings like Jesus even says Sabbath uh, humanity wasn't made for Sabbath Sabbath was made for humanity you know and so like understanding that these are gifts for humanity's well-being it's not a legalistic obligation but it is boundaries of obedience so that love can flourish and and uh, benefit the world Right. And then this is the foundation that this whole discourse is built on. Remember earlier in John where, where Jesus is saying, I've come that they may have life, abundant, full, mm -hmm. meaningful, thriving life. Um, and that only exists in those boundaries and in that obedience to the way of Christ um, and, and, the, and the law of love. Yes. Right. Like yes. The, this, is, this is the foundation that Jesus has been building the whole time in this discourse. Like, mm -hmm like an obedience to the law of love is for your thriving and whole life. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's so good. I, I am reminded today that this passage is taking place after Jesus has washed their feet. He's sitting mm -hmm. around the table with them. He predicts his death. He predicts his resurrection. And, and I think we hear in the, the next several verses, he's assuming how the disciples are going to feel after he ascends into heaven. You know, will they feel abandoned? Will they feel like orphans? He even uses that language. Mm -hmm. um, and then he makes a, a promise to them about the advocate, the, the, the Holy Spirit uh, in this in this section. So it really does point to the reality of the resurrection, but not in ways that I think we're traditionally shaped to see the resurrection as this uh, fully joyful, no negative feelings around it. But he's mm. pointing to how they may feel abandoned after he continues his work and ascends into heaven. Um, you think we could talk a little bit about, about that in kind of the season that we're in right now, this feeling of abandonment, feeling as though we're orphans in that day of waiting that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, that's rich there. And I, I have half baked thoughts, so bear, bear with me. Right. <laughs> um, that's what this is for. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do. Yeah. I do think it's important to name that resurrection. When we talk about resurrection power, this is fully transformed, like new life that dis like that, that distances itself significantly just by its newness from the old life, right? This isn't resuscitation or like a revived kind of life that, that the old thing is sort of like brought back Frankenstein style, or I should say Lazarus style. <laughs> um, this, <laughs> like, like, like this isn't, this isn't, um, a, uh, 
yeah, this isn't like a resuscitation or like somebody kind of being revived, but Jesus in his resurrection has like completely redefined and remade life as we know it. Um, which we, we have to pause to say that, that every new beginning um, has enfolded in it an ending of some kind. And every ending has enfolded in it a grief of some kind, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that, that resurrection in and of itself can only take place after a true like death like complete and total, which has grief and confusion, abandonment, anger, like all of those things unfolded in it. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think you're right that, that evangelically we're used to talking about the resurrection as this like golden glorified sparkly thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's not untrue. That's just not the whole story. Right. That the right. resurrected Christ still has wounds. They're not bleeding, but they, but, but Thomas can touch them and put his hand in them. Right. Like they're, they're, they're still part of it. Right. And, and Jesus, Jesus isn't back with them to do round two of the Jesus tour. He's, 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 (laughs) this isn't getting the band back together. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right. I do. Yes. The Rolling Stones. (laughs) Exactly. The Rolling Stones. Stones. The Grateful Dead. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, this is terrible. We should not terrible. be allowed to do this together. <laughs> Never. Um, uh, but but you hear what I'm saying? Like like Jesus has has started a new kind of mission. Mm. Well, it's the mission he's always been moving toward, but it's got a new phase. Um, and so so he's 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 not back with his disciples right remember that back getting someone back or getting something back Mm -hmm. is never true change right like that's not that's not a thing um yeah that's so powerful so so as as we think about um yeah as we think about what it means to like name like the the change that happens because of resurrection, like we have to acknowledge that there's an ending, there's a grief, there's a, there's a laying to rest of the old things in order to freely receive the new things. Mm. Right. So that's so powerful. So it makes me think then in that transitionary, the already not yet, the between Mm -hmm. the old and the new thing, that time period can feel like we've been abandoned, can feel like, yeah. Right. It, it can it can feel that way. And so then I think here is the message that Jesus leaves of like of significant comfort. Um, I, like in this place where you're kind of like waiting for a word from from God. I, and I, I find myself here like really specifically in this season, as like some of our listeners might know, I'm in between pastoral placements at the moment. Um, so it's a weird time to be a pastor anyway. It's a weird time to be like in a pastoral search <laughs> in between like, yeah, one one congregation and and another. And so I find myself like wondering, okay, like where is God calling me? Where's the voice of God in this time? Like, like where is God leading me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep reminding myself that like, that that God desires to be found, that God is consistently speaking and moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if spirit wants me to know something, she will tell me. She mm-hmm. won't let me miss it. Right? Right, like, right. like this, this isn't like like sometimes I believe that God is is playful with revelation to us. That mm-hmm. but it's like it's in the way that 
a child plays hide and seek mm. where they eventually become impatient if you haven't found them and suddenly they announce themselves. Hi, it's me. I was in the <laughs> closet, right? You like, right. or like under the bed or like behind the curtains or whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That, that like, like the game only goes so long, but ultimately it's meant to be found and to be celebrated, right? Yeah. Um, it's not like a street performer with like the three cups, like trying to trick you, trying to intentionally mm-hmm. distract you and make you choose wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not how God works in the world. Amen. So, that, so that in those spaces where we feel, where is God? It seems so silent. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I remind myself, this is something that Dallas Willard said, like, like um, Dallas Willard said, I never believe anything bad about God, right? Like God isn't trying to trick me. God isn't trying to like bamboozle me or distract me or force me to choose something wrong, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. like God is endless loving self-revelation mm-hmm. that in the places where it feels dark and quiet and lonely and empty, I take a breath and I remember what is true mm-hmm. that God, that God is on the move, that God yeah. is, is constantly revealing the way of love and obedience. Mm. And so my prayer then becomes open my eyes, open my ears so that I might be attentive. Show mm. me the way that I must walk. Cause I lift up my soul to you. That's from Psalm 142. I don't know. <laughs> Should double check that fact check. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I don't know if that like directly answers your question, but like in the season of waiting, there are some things that I that I need to remind myself, mm-hmm. and I know I can't be the only one who needs to hear them. Mm-hmm. That God is with us, God is on the move, God is doing something, God yes. is speaking. Yes, um, and it might feel dark and lonely <laughs> and and confusing, and and we might feel abandoned. Um, but sometimes, frequently. Feelings are a terrible metric for reality. Yes. So I keep circling myself back to what I know to be true, mm. right? That that God is on the move. God is always revealing the way of love and obedience. Yeah. Amen. Oh, that's so good. I think that's a good lead too into understanding how the spirit advocates, how the spirit is at work. You know, understanding that God isn't there to bamboozle me. God is on the move right now. God is here with me. Um, Because I think feelings is usually the metric more so than any other person of the Trinity with the Mm. Holy Spirit. That we, we expect this maybe high emotional worship experience and we label that the Spirit in evangelical circles more than we do maybe an encounter with Jesus or something like that. And so I think it shapes our expectations that when we encounter the spirit, it's synonymous with this experience or this grand feeling of ecstasy that we have rather than are we looking for the ways in which the resurrection and life of Jesus are revealed more clearly to us. And maybe that's more of a truthful way of seeing the Holy spirit at work than just my personal experience alone because personal experience is an important part of that but stopping there i think uh neglects the bigger work that that god is doing right i i do think that we that we remember that god is revealed to us in jesus christ and so that like the incarnation is consistently Mm -hmm. the lens that we filter things through right um that that at, at least for for me that's that's the grounding anchor of my life mm-hmm. like like i 
yeah, the story of Jesus is still the truest thing about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially in these seasons of, um, of light, like Jesus is even um, hinting at, like you will feel abandoned. You will feel like an orphan mm-hmm. in those places where I feel that way. I, I always have to circle back to what I know to be true about God revealed in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That God has come to us as one of us in Jesus Christ. Um, that, that Jesus has not left us abandoned. Yeah. Um, that even the forces of, of death and violence in the world could not prevent Jesus mm-hmm. from being with us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's one thing to say on a Tuesday morning, right. <laughs> like in a like little podcast recording, and on another another when you're just like in the miry clay, like stuck in the pit, right. like like right. that, like like I recognize that it's easier said than mm-hmm. than like actively embodied. Yes. Um, but the more I say it, the more I'm enabled to actively embody it mm-hmm. in that way of love and obedience. Yeah, that's so good. Well, talk to us a little bit about where your heart is and how this passage might be preached. I think my initial <laughs> feeling when I read this in preparation for the podcast today is like, man, I, I, it feels odd to me to stand up and try to give a 20 to 30 minute like monologue or sermon on this passage when it feels like there are, there's so many rich layers here. Is that the best way for this text to be presented? Oh gosh, this feels like an audience plant. You like know what I'm gonna say about this. <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Let me just start by saying that like all scripture is useful for training in righteousness. Mm-hmm. Like the word of God reveals to us who God is, who we are as God's people, and how then we ought to live mm-hmm. as the people of God. So that's like straight up our foundation, right? But I, I think the, the proclaiming of the word is such a rich and a rich practice with so many varieties, mm-hmm. like, like, uh, a 20 to 30 minute long form preaching with a couple of stories and a few takeaway points isn't the only way to proclaim a passage of scripture and, and to speak the truth of God over our people. Right. I, and let me just say, like, I am first and foremost, a preacher. I have deep respect for the traditional form of the sermon. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox here, but I like, I care very deeply about like, what we would understand as like a traditional long form spoken sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I care about and respect that form so deeply, I don't think that every single line and phrase of scripture is meant for that kind of proclamation. I think some scripture is better meant um, in a, in the sort of proclamation of truth of our people, like, I think some scripture is better meant for meditative or reflective or contemplative reading rather than expository preaching. I think some scripture is better meant um, to be turned into meditative prayer. Uh, like, like, uh, yeah, like the Psalms, a sort of sung prayer over and over again, mm-hmm. or like Lectio Divina, or I think some scripture is best meant to be read in a, in a dialogue, to read a scripture and to talk about it and let the community bring forth truth rather than one person explaining the three points about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm, 
yeah, I'm with you that like, I think especially some of these like teaching moments in John, um, when we're reading, like we've been in John 14 and, and thereabouts for a couple weeks now in the lectionary. And the, and the more I sit with it, the more I, I feel at least right now, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's shaped by the season where we're in, where we, where we can't quite gather and have our like traditional long form communal spoken sermons Mm -hmm. um but it just feels to me like this is a passage like meant for meditative reflection like like what would it look like to gather your people for lectio divina to read Mm -hmm. this passage three four five times and to let the spirit speak in that way or what would it look like to gather in a kind of um in a, in a small group conversation to read the passage and to say, like, what do you think it means to follow the way of love and obedience um, in, a, in, a, like, in a conversational way mm-hmm. rather than one preacher telling you what it's about? Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe that's because this passage is so packed with, like, Trinitarian language that it's so hard for me to, like, to, to say that concretely say something concretely about the Trinity and not sound like a heretic, but I believe that the spirit speaks when the community of God reads scripture together. I guess what I'm trying to say is that like a traditional long form expository sermon isn't the only way to proclaim scripture over people. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Am I going to get like lots of hate mail? No, no not that? at all. Cause I, I, I do think at least for me, there's a, there's a, uh, I think a temptation for lack of a better word of getting stuck in a very rigid definition of preaching, a very rigid definition of proclamation of scripture um, because we don't know the nuances of that in a rich tradition because we, we as evangelical Protestants haven't really developed one or received one Um yeah. And uh, so I find myself looking at other traditions, maybe Anglican or, or Catholic to understand the, the rich tradition of proclaiming the words in the preaching form. Um, however, I think there is also opportunity that scripture may be challenging us to present it in a way that challenges our preconceived notions of what proclamation looks like. Would you say that's fair? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, and then I think especially in this season where we're being forced by external circumstances to really evaluate the, the form in which we communicate our message, this is, I think, a really great invitation for us to think about what is the most effective medium for this message. Um, like, mm-hmm. what, what is, yeah, uh, what kind of cues can we take from Jesus himself or from the scriptures like remember Jesus is gathered around a table with a handful of people as he shares these things yeah maybe that ought to shape the way that we in persona Christi communicate the scripture Mm -hmm. yeah well that's so good well on a on a practical very practical uh uh note for a passage like this perhaps not gathering together when our hearts are desperately desiring to be together. Um, I have found it helpful for me to look for opportunities on maybe to um, use this opportunity for the best that it could be. And so I've been taking um, my, my video camera and going to different 
parts of the city that people have found as restful as uh, bringing peace and then reading the scriptures there so that on Sunday um, they encounter the scripture with places that they know. Um, and it kind of, so it was by the Boise river one week. Uh, it was up by the foothills where they could see over the whole city this last Sunday, this Sunday, I'm thinking we have a whole memorial devoted to Anne Frank and those who have died in genocides and they list the numbers and, um, each uh, genocide that's happened in the 21st century is etched in stone. Um, and so maybe sitting there with the, with the numbers of people who have felt abandoned, who have felt in those moments of crisis, and have the scripture read in, in a way that maybe uh, causes them to reflect not just in their own moments of maybe feeling like they've lost a lot, but also that they are not alone in that either that many people have encountered this and the holy spirit is still with us um, so there may be some uh, opportunity there there for creativity in presentation of this mm -hmm. uh, passage before it is preached or before it is proclaimed um, to have maybe the place or the way it's presented help with the with the narrative of it yeah i love that i think that's so great mm -hmm. yeah I, I think this um, maybe as like a kind of practical, tangible way um, to share what God is doing and how God is on the move. This might be a great time to be attentive to the stories of love and care shown by God's people toward those who are orphans. Mm -hmm. um, May is Foster Care Awareness Month. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's, a, there's an organization in the Bay Area um, that's dedicated to raising up foster families and then sub surrounding them with a community of support. Um, I'm like a local church advocate um, for that a community organization. Um, so if we, if we were gathering together, like these are some of the things that I would yeah. be talking about, like in the month of May as like attentiveness to the work of the church and caring for orphans in mm -hmm. particular um, and the ways that, that Christ himself has begun to model that um, mm -hmm. for our community. And so if, if it were me, I would be taking an opportunity to tell the stories about people who love God and therefore are engaging in some meaningful justice work mm -hmm. in loving attentiveness to those who need homes and families. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, maybe in conclusion, I uh, don't want to put you on the spot, but how have you felt uh, the Holy Spirit uh, advocating for you personally in this this season mm. oh gosh you did put me on the spot <laughs> um yeah uh I just um yeah I have been consistently reminded um that God loves us mm -hmm. that God is on the move that God is doing something good um, these are things I know to be true and things that I can hold on to um and I I keep reminding myself or this the spirit reminds me that God has always brought me to the right thing at the right time. Mm. And so especially mm. in, in a season of life transition for me, right. um, that's been a word of truth and a word of encouragement that God has always brought me to the right thing at the right time. God has never been late mm. though. It might feel that way, especially yeah. in a season of waiting. Yeah. Um, so that, that I think is the, is the truth that the spirit is advocating for me to hold on to mm. that God is at work. God is on the move. God has brought me to the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. How about you? How, how have you experienced the spirit advocating for you? 
I think that's actually really well put from my experience as well. In in times of uncertainty, um, I've had family members go through some really uh, traumatic, life-altering things recently. One being my my mom's cancer diagnosis and subsequent surgery, and having to go through that surgery by herself, and I was not able to see her, or my you know my dad had to just drop her off at the curb, and you know it was just really difficult, and so. I, th- I think you're, you put it best in that I was feeling like, you know, this, the, the Holy Spirit is still here. Holy Spirit is still at work, even though it may not feel that way. And for someone who suffers from anxiety, that's huge. Like to be able to not land at the worst possible outcome for a situation, for to know that God is there advocating for my best and for the best of those whom I love um, is, a, is a powerful way that the Holy Spirit's really been advocating for me. That's so good. And so we leave that truth with all of our listeners, and we Mm -hmm. hope that you are communicating um, that comfort to your people, that God is with us, God is on the move, God is doing something good. And while all creation groans and labor pains for new creation, we know that something new is being born. Yeah, amen. Amen. What a good word to to end our, our podcast on today. We, Alicia and I are always praying for you as you prepare for uh, your Sundays and however it looks uh, in your context. Um, we Please join us next week as we continue looking at the gospel passage. We are uh, excited to be walking alongside you in partnership. Uh, so let us know if there's any ways in which we can help you better, better equip you, or if there's another need that maybe we're uh, not seeing um, in in our resources, please bring that to our attention, Uh, or any emphasis that you might see in the passages um, for the weeks to come that would be helpful to us. Uh, We're always appreciative for that feedback. Join us next week. God be with you. May your hearts not be troubled in this Easter season. Peace.